This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Well, hello and welcome to what is hopefully another exciting episode of Because I Said So with your host, moi. John Rosemond, and I'm going to apologize right off the bat for the fact that, as is the case with, I think, 90% of the people in the United States right now, I have a code, and I'm dosing myself with all kinds of decongestants and antihistamines and nasal sprays, and I feel like a walking pharmacopoeia, as a matter of fact, uh, right now. Um but mostly to no avail. Uh, the head congestion just keeps on rocking and rolling up there. So I'm going to do my best to uh, to speak in uh, a comprehensible accent. And uh, if I don't, you'll just have to bear with me. I want to start the show with a, a calendar of sorts, a speaking calendar, my upcoming speaking calendar, as a matter of fact, to let you know where I will be. A lot of people have written in saying that they'd like to uh, know where I'm going to be. Well, if if you want to know where I'm going to be, it's uh, always posted on my website at John Rosemond, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E, like the flower, M-O-N-D, M-O-N-D, dot com. And uh, you'll find my upcoming speaking schedule there. You know, it's probably upcoming for six months or more. So in any case, uh, tomorrow which will be January the 28th and January the 29th. That's Sunday and Monday. I will be in St. Augustine, Florida at Good News Church. Good News Church. Go to their website for details. Then on Wednesday the 31st at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, but I believe that this program is broadcast nationally, I will be on the Mike LeMay, L-E-M-A-Y, show and uh, should be on for 30 to 60 minutes. Then on the 8th of February, I've got a couple of engagements in between Mike LeMay and the 8th of February, but they are not open to the public. On the 8th of February in the evening, I will be speaking in Elkhart, Indiana, at an event that is being sponsored by the Elkhart, Indiana Public Schools. It should be on their website. Again, Thursday, February the 8th. Then on Saturday, February the 10th, I will be back close to my old stomping grounds. As some of you may know, I attended Western Illinois University. Well, right up the road is Bloomington Normal, Illinois, uh, the home of Illinois State University. And I will be speaking there from 10 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday February the 10th, that's Normal, Illinois, Illinois State University Speakers Forum, and it'll be me and one other fella, and he will speak first, I understand, because he's got to leave and then catch flight, and then it'll be all up to me. And then on Saturday, February the 11th, boy, this is going to be a tight airline thing, I'm going to be speaking in my hometown of New Bern, North Carolina, at Temple Baptist Church, or it is 
or as it is now known, just simply Temple Church, Saturday, February the 11th, from 2 o'clock in the afternoon until 5.30 in the afternoon, a three-hour seminar entitled The Ten Biggest Mistakes Parents Make and How to Stop Making Them. So we're a month, more or less, into the new year, and America has already tragically suffered two school shootings. As usual, the usual voices from the left are calling for increased restrictions on the buying and selling of guns, but guns are not the problem, and that is a contention I can prove. In 1963, when I was 15 years old, I packed my bags. Until that point, I had been living with my mother during her single-parent years, and my mother and stepfather after her remarriage in in uh, and I we had been living in the suburbs of Chicago. I did not get along with my stepfather very well, and uh, so when I was fifteen, packed my bags and went to live with my dad in Valdosta, Georgia, where I attended Valdosta High School. Uh, hunting was a primary feature of male culture at Valdosta High School, and so. Uh, to fit in, I quickly acquired the necessary gear, including a Stevens double-barreled shotgun. And during deer and duck hunting seasons, I rose well before the start of school, O-Dark 30, and joined several buddies out in the field. After a couple hours of shooting or just sitting in a blind and freezing, we put our guns in the trunks of our cars, drove to school, stripped off our hunting duds, under which were clean school clothes, and went to class. Everybody, including the principal, Mr. Bridges, all of our teachers, parents, kids who didn't hunt, uh, knew that the student parking lot contained a small arsenal. No one ever mentioned it, and believe me, it never occurred to any of us that our gun could be used to even some score or vent some frustration. Lots and lots of males in my generation especially those who grew up in small towns or rural America, report a similar high school experience. No, folks, believe me, guns are not the problem in school shootings. Guns are the means, but they are not the root cause of what's going on here. The problem is feelings. The problem is emotions. Specifically, the problem is the fact that today's kids have not been taught emotional self-control. I am a member of the last generation of American children whose parents disciplined not only our behavior, but also insisted that we exercise emotional self-control. That is what the Bible tells parents to do. In Proverbs 22.15, the Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. That can be interpreted a number of ways. What it means is that children's emotions are constituted of foolishness, folly. They are chaotic. They are meaningless and uh, are in need of discipline. And the next line in Proverbs 22.15 instructs parents to use the rod of discipline to drive that foolishness far from their hearts so that their hearts can be prepared properly for accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Well, of course, that's Old Testament, so I added on to it, but uh, that would be the 
New Testament meaning of Proverbs 22.15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. And our parents, like I said, those uh, that generation known as the greatest generation, they not only disciplined our behavior, but also insisted that we exercise proper emotional self-control. I'm also, ironically, a member of the first generation of American parents who fell for progressive psychological propaganda to the effect that insisting upon emotional self-control from one's children was repressively authoritarian and would prime them for future serious mental health problems. My graduate school professors stress the need to help children get in touch with their feelings, talk about them, and express them safely. In graduate school, I learned that a child's feelings contained deep meaning that needed to be divined, discussed, and properly directed. This was the late 1960s and early 1970s. By the 1980s, children were indeed venting their feelings rather freely including toward parents and teachers and other adult authority figures, and child mental health was tanking and has been ever since. Mass school shootings began occurring around the same time and are now taking place on average weekly. As I said, guns are the means, but the problem is what I term emotional entitlement syndrome. The narcissistic belief that certain feelings are all of all the excuse one requires to justify antisocial and or self-destructive behavior. To widespread emotional entitlement among this generation of children and teens, one can add the, and, and young adults, millennials in general, one can add the effects of encouraging high self-esteem, which we now know is associated with low respect for the rights and property of others, And the demonization of shame, the primary purpose of shame being conscience, the proper operation of a person's conscience, a calamity was sure to ensue, and indeed it has. It includes not only school shootings, but the widespread use of social media as a platform for acting out infantile personal soap operas a dramatic rise in child and teen depression and suicide, this thing they call cutting, this infantile, narcissistic, self-dramatic, self-destructive thing called cutting, epidemic bullying, and millions of children on psychiatric medications that may cause more problems than they solve if they solve any. The great irony in all of this is that psychology, my profession, my profession uh, by virtue of education and certification. And as those of you who listen to the program on a regular basis know, I, I really don't believe in psychology. I think it's a bogus secular religion that you believe in by faith. I have all the faith I need. Thank you. The very profession, psychology, that manufactured the propaganda that's fueling this calamity, the emotional entitlement propaganda, the self-esteem propaganda, the demon of demonization of shame propaganda, the very profession that manufactured all that propaganda, the propaganda that's fueling this calamity is the very profession to which schools and parents turn 
whenever the calamity rears its ugly little head. And so, around and around we go, and we'll continue to go until we figure out that therapy is no substitute for discipline. We'll be right back. Welcome to the second half of the show. I'm your host, John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So. We're all about parenting, and we are broadcast uh, weekly on Saturday afternoons at 6 o'clock Central Time all across the United States of America, exclusively on American Family Radio. So in the first half of the show, I was talking about this thing that I call in, in it, In fact, I've never heard anyone else refer to it this way, emotional entitlement syndrome. And it is my contention that ever since the 1960s, when American parents began listening to psychologists and other mental health professionals tell them how to raise kids, that we have been raising children who have emotional entitlement syndrome. And emotional entitlement syndrome is the narcissistic belief that certain feelings, feeling sad, feeling upset, feeling that someone has slighted you, feeling angry, that these feelings are all the justification one needs in order to engage in antisocial behavior. And by the way, uh, teachers, preschool teachers, elementary teachers, high school teachers, they affirm what I just said. They tell me, and I mean teachers all over the country, they tell me that more often than not, when they confront a child who has acted maliciously in some way toward another child, and they ask the perpetrating child why he did what he did, The typical answer is not, well, I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing, but I did it because he or she made me feel a certain way. He hurt my feelings. He made me feel angry. In other words, this and this is an an expression, believe me, of exactly what I'm talking about, this emotional entitlement syndrome. And uh, in my estimation i don't think this is an opinion i think it's a fact uh the uh this has happened we are now dealing with two generations of children millennials and those kids whatever we're going to call them who are following on the heels of the disaster that is the millennial generation we're dealing with two generations of children now who have at a widespread level emotional entitlement syndrome. And uh, this, and and again, this is not my opinion. I'm convinced this is a fact. This was caused by the fact that American parents began listening to people like me, psychologists, who, I'll say it again, represent the most atheistic profession in America. We began listening to psychologists tell us how to raise children in the 1960s, 
And uh, one of the things that psychologists said was that parents of previous generations had not allowed their children to express their feelings freely, which is true. I was not allowed to express my feelings freely because my parents were trying to prepare me for responsible citizenship, and responsible adult citizens do not express their feelings freely. If you have ever been around a person, and I'm sure you all have, who feels that he or she is entitled to express his or her feelings freely, then you have been around a completely obnoxious, antisocial boor, is what my mother would have called that person, boor, B-O-O-R. People who express their feelings freely can be boorish, obnoxious. They can also be dangerous. They can be abusive. They can be... uh, physically dangerous individuals to be around if they don't get their way. Psychologists uh, told American parents beginning in the 1960s, and I was there, folks, this is how I was trained, that we should uh, help children get in touch with their feelings and help children express their feelings safely. And we were told that uh, children, uh, children's feelings contained deep meaning that uh, when a child threw a tantrum, for example, that the parent was to sit down and find out what was really wrong because uh, the child was only throwing a tantrum because he didn't have the words with which to express the inner angst that he was experiencing. And so parents were to sit down and try and help the child discover words that would express the angst uh, properly. And Theoretically, if the child could express the angst, he could purge himself of the angst. I mean, folks, I'm being very cynical here and mocking in my tone of voice because this is exactly the stuff that I was trained in in psychology graduate school, and I hope you are getting this. It is ludicrous. It is absurd. It is ridiculous. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. Well, Even more foolishness is bound in the hearts of mental health professionals on average. When it comes to children, they are a bunch of know-nothings. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're talking about. It's why I have a job. It's why I have this radio show. Am I getting passionate about this? Yes, I am. Anyway, so (laughs) so you add in to widespread emotional entitlement syndrome, two more features of today's children and millennials in general, features, again, features of their 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 personality makeup, if you will, that, again, were prescribed by psychologists and other mental health professionals. High self-esteem, the feeling that You are worthy of being esteemed even by your own sinful self. And um, again, you know, folks, this stuff is ludicrous from the perspective of a biblical worldview, and I mean to make that explicit. And we now know that high self-esteem is highly associated with antisocial behavior, including abusive behavior. That people with high self-esteem are basically overgrown toddlers. They believe, like toddlers do, that what they want, they deserve to have, and the ends justify the means, and no one has a right to stand in their way. 
And then you add into emotional entitlement and widespread high self-esteem the fact that the mental health professionals began demonizing shame in the 1960s, uh, and you got a calamity on your hands, and and that's what we have in our hands. Uh, We have a calamity concerning America's young people. Yeah, the mental health professions, and again, I was there in graduate school when this was emerging, have been demonizing shame for the last 45 to 50 years, using terms like shame-based parenting and so on and so forth. You know, you should never make a child feel shame. Well, yes, you should. It's absolutely essential that you make a child feel shame. A person who is incapable of shame is a sociopath. A person who is incapable of shame is a person who does not have a functional working conscience, the ability to discern right from wrong in his or her own behavior. And again, these people are dangerous. And now you've got, you know, children, young adults, millennials and kids, teens, who have been afflicted with high self-esteem, a lack of shame, and emotional entitlement syndrome, and we have got a disaster on our collective hands here in America. And who caused this? Yes, once again, I'm telling you, psychology and the mental health professionals have caused this. I am bold, and folks, for those of you who may be joining the show for the first time, I am a psychologist. I am licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board with all the rights and privileges appertaining thereto. It is legal for me nationwide to call myself a psychologist. We established that in federal court in Kentucky in 2015 uh, when I trumped the Kentucky Psychology Board in federal court, courtesy of the Institute for Justice, my attorneys. It is legal for me to uh, call myself a psychologist all over the United States of America publicly. I know what I'm talking about when I talk about psychology. Uh, When I say that psychology has caused more problems for the American child, family, and parent than the psychologists even know how to handle, how to deal with, I am telling you the absolute truth. Children should not be allowed to go into an office with a mental health professional without their parents being with them. Psychologists say to parents, well, I need to talk to your child alone. No, he doesn't. And in an upcoming show, I intend to expose the fact that child therapy usually causes more problems than it solves. Uh, I have heard uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of stories from parents who were willing to share these stories with me about how when they allowed their child to begin seeing a psychologist, whatever problems they were dealing with got worse and not just a little bit worse, but dramatically worse. I am adamant that children should not be in offices alone with mental health professionals. 
Anyway, we're up uh, close to the end of the show. My website, johnrosemond.com. You can find uh, my bookstore, my upcoming speaking schedule, St. Augustine, Florida, Elkhart, Indiana, Normal, Illinois. In future weeks, I will be in Atlanta, Georgia, Columbus, uh, Columbia, Missouri, Dayton, Ohio. It looks like Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, Vicksburg, Mississippi. Oh, a whole lot of places. Love to travel. Love doing this show. Hope you love it as much as I do. God bless you all and your families. Hope to see you again next week. Bye now.